0: thank you praise team we appreciate you uh, leading us into the presence of the lord as we gather together and uh, thank you for all of those who uh, were able to uh, come out this morning and brave the weather and and uh, make it out here we're so grateful well as we enter a new year we always uh, think of things from the past year and kind of look forward to new things and things that are are ahead of us and uh I don't know about you, but usually when I reach the end of the year and and start the the new, I kind of reflect back over uh, time and some things that have happened. Um, So one of the things that I've been thinking about is some of the uh, changes that uh, have uh, happened. Um, And so I'm just going to share a couple of silly things with you here for a a little bit. So one of those is terminologies or words, right? So the word sick, right? You all know that, you know, sick means you're not feeling well. It's a bad thing, right? Except that talking about something, you say, this thing is really sick. You're saying it's really nice or really good, you know? So, you know, it's just a different term, especially for you older people. That's, you know, like, it's a good thing. Uh, beast, you know, if somebody was a beast in the past, you always would think about something bad, right? If you, you you were afraid of beasts, right? Now, if somebody's a beast, it means they're strong and they can do, you know, anything. They're capable of just about anything. Bad, you know, bad used to mean bad. Now it means good. You know, something's really bad. So, you, you know, you just got to sup, right? You know, sup. Well, sup used to mean you sat down and ate supper, right? Now it means what's up, right? My grandson, Dalton, you know, whenever I said, sup, you know. So, it's just, you know, we we change, things change. Another area that's changed is communication. On uh, Sunday, we were, uh, or on Tuesday, I mean, we were uh, talking about, uh, from the book of Luke, and we were talking about uh, Mary was expecting the child from God, and and, uh, we were talking about when was. was, joseph notified and jeff millen said well you know mary couldn't call you know joseph up say hey you know what i'm pregnant you know so that wouldn't work so i thought of telephones and uh so i wanted to just share you know a couple of uh, telephones with you and you all remember you know uh, that great oh one of one of the other things i wanted to share with you about telephones my uh My niece on Facebook this week had a picture up of uh, an old phone, and I don't know if I have these out of order, I guess I do, wait a second, let me back up, I'm sorry, she had a picture of an old phone, the one on the left up there, and uh, she was explaining to her uh, daughter uh, that this was a telephone, and her daughter didn't understand, she said, well, you used to dial a number, you know, and you had to put your finger in and go around a circle, you know, and and then it would go back. You had to wait for it to go back. And then you did the next number, you know. And then if you messed up, you had to hang up and start all over again, you know. And uh, her, her uh, daughter couldn't quite understand all of that. So I thought of telephones anyway. And, and then, you know, the great uh, theologian, Barney Fife. And I was thinking about, you know, uh, Andy and Barney, right? They would pick up the telephone. You know, they click the old thing. And, and uh, hey, Sarah, would you connect me up? And, and of course, you know, uh, the they would be connected up with somebody else. And, of course, Barney used to like to be connected up with who? Come on, you older people. Juanita. You're not Barney. and Barney, Andy, and Griffith, you know. Barney used to call Juanita, you know, and used to sing songs to Juanita anyway. I've apparently watched way too much TV in my time. <laughs> no, no. Tell Malou was his girlfriend, but he had that period of time when he would call on that telephone and ask for Juanita. Go back and look, you'll see. Juanita worked Juanita worked at the restaurant. Juanita worked at the restaurant, and she would, you know, they would they would uh, he would go over there. Yep. anybody else that remember Andy? Come on. All right. So anyway, uh these are just obviously a lot of silly uh things that we can uh, think about in examples. But I don't know about you. Here's a uh, cell phones. I thought cell phones really have changed a lot, you know. So here's here's a great cell phone, you know, back in the, in the day. You can see that, uh, you know, it's a little uh, power there to get that. You see the one guy. Uh, you got to look right. Oh, this isn't going to work. Okay. The one guy there, anyway, you can see he's on, on the telephone, right? And uh, this this one in the middle, the three guys. So World War One, okay, were you there? no <laughs> not yet <laughs> two though uh so here's another one here's a car phone right we all uh we all had our car phones right uh no, some of you are too young for a car phone, but anyway, and then we had the the cell phone that you actually had to carry the box on the side, you know, and you could go around and and uh and then we had then we really made progress now it's all self contained and and uh and of course, that's my newest cell phone. So, uh, cell phones, they're wonderful, I guess. I'm not not—I'm not a very techie person, you know, so I, I have a hard time keeping up with all of these things. But uh. anyway, all of that made me think about what doesn't change. And that brought me to our God. Our God does not change. I'm so grateful for that. I don't, I don't know about you, but... Um, if we worshiped a god who changed as much as things do as much as people do who had to be you know uh, tolerant and had to be uh, up with with things that are going on instead of staying the same yesterday and today and forever we we would never know where we stand we'd be in a state of really of confusion all of the time if if we had to adjust Well, this God, we worship this God this way now because he's changed over here, or he's over here, but instead we have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But people haven't really changed that much, have they? If you think about uh, the description that we have in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God says this, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was evil all the time. Only evil all the time. And you might say, well, I, I don't think that's true today. We, you know, we've kind of evolved away from that. We're not really that kind of a people. Have you watched at all anything about these people in the Middle East who are part of ISIS? ISIS? They still grab people by the hair and they take and they behead them. That's really a change, isn't it? That's really moving away from the evil all of the time. How about the violence that we've seen on our streets here in America? We're we, we are an advanced people, right? We're, we're not at all like those people over there in the Middle East. We're way advanced, right? Except that we have people who are setting out and are assassinating police officers who are out there trying to protect the people. We have people who are are killing all over the place. We have murder upon murder upon murder here in the United States. But we are a people who are evolving away from that sort of thing. That's not true. We are no different than the people that God talked about back in the book of Genesis. Our hearts are evil all the time. Only evil all the time. Now, that, that's not a it's not a popular thing to say. You know, it's the kind of thing that that, uh, if I were to go out and put that on Facebook, you know, we'd have a, you know, a whole bunch of people who'd get all bent out of shape. But that's the reality. That's what scriptures tell us. And things have not changed from that. So I'm so grateful that I worship and I celebrate and I praise and I follow a God who does not change. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today. We're going to uh, look at a number of, uh, uh, scriptures, uh that we uh, will see how uh, much God is the same and how much we need to be grateful for an unchanging God. Remember uh, the Old Testament uh, uh, after the flood and and God had destroyed the people that were so evil all of the time. And the verse that I was referring to there was actually before that. um, And God put the rainbow up in the sky. And he says, whenever I look at that, I'll remember my people. And God does not want, never has wanted to have to destroy people, but he also hates sin and had to deal with our sin. So let's look at some verses that deal with God. And if you would turn with me to the book of James, James chapter one. And, uh, and James, and if you're, uh, book in the chairs there is on page 1881, but uh, James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 16 and 17. The author says this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Shadows. Isn't that a solid promise for us? Isn't that something that, that you can kind of, I don't know about you, but I, I read something like that, and I think about uh, some pictures. Have you seen pictures, you know, where uh, kind of you can see the shadows here, you know? And, and if I would have taken that picture just a little while later, we would have seen something different. The shadows would have moved, you know? And uh, uh, we're, we're so blessed that we have a God who doesn't change depending on the weather, depending on the time of the day, depending on you know, what's happening around them at a particular time. But we have a God who is solid, who is the same. So we have a God who does not change like shifting shadows. He's holy. He is perfect. He is unchanging. Well, let's look at Hebrews. And we're going to look at a number of verses in Hebrews. But uh, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 7. And... uh, Verses 21 to 24 to start with here. That's on page 1869 if you're following along or if you're looking in the pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 21. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And I I was thinking about that verse and and I thought about Uh, what that really solidly says is God will not change His mind. You see, God. if God changed His mind, I think about what's going on in our world today, and I think God made the promise that whenever I see the rainbow, I'm not going to destroy the world. If God changed His mind, He would look down and He would see the evil that's happening in our world today. And He would say, I'm going to destroy them. They're worse than it was back before the time of Noah. People are worse today. And I'm going to destroy them. People are worse than it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to destroy them. But he, he said, I'm not going to change my mind. I said then I wouldn't do it, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not ever going to destroy all mankind again. Now, it doesn't mean we don't deserve to have that kind of penalty, that kind of punishment, right? It just means that God has made the covenant promise that He is not going to do it. That He is never going to destroy the whole earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that because as I said before, I look around and I see all of the things that are going on and I could see a lot of reasons why God might say these people don't deserve to be around. They're evil all of the time. So Jesus has made, has been made a priest forever. It's a permanent priesthood. Well, what does that mean for us? What is is having uh, uh, Jesus Christ as a permanent priest for us? As you could see from the verses there, uh, many priests had come and gone and the priests would bring sacrifice for the people, the priests would be those who who would uh, intercede between God and the and the people uh, when they were sinning when there was issues that were going on he was the, he was the one who would do the sacrifices and do the things that would appease God and take care of of the relationship there and so God recognized that the people that were serving as priests were fallible they were messing up they were uh, having issues and the people around were not improving really in all in their uh, the way they lived their lives and so uh, he had to come up with a better solution for us and I'm so grateful for that and so let's pick up in Hebrews chapter 7 here at verse 25 I already read it but we'll continue there therefore he is able to save completely those uh, who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appointed as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law, appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. So you see, we have a high priest who has come as a perfect uh, one, who is completely is able to save completely uh, because he lives forever. Save completely, what that means is to fulfill the promise of salvation for all who would believe upon his name, all who would believe in his finished work upon the cross. He can save us. He's the only one that can save us. The priests, if you think about it, the priests of uh, the high priest or whoever else who would offer the sacrifices, really that's all they could do. They could not offer anything of their own to bring about the salvation that God had offered. They could come and intercede on our behalf. But you see what the Scripture says here in Hebrews is that Jesus Christ saves or is able to save us completely. He is all that is needed for us. So, we can't add anything to uh, our salvation. It's all completely done by Him and through His finished work on the cross. We, uh, uh, there's nothing that's unfinished. You know, uh, sometimes uh, as people we think, well, okay, I, uh, I have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, and Or but. But you see, when we throw those words in, what we're saying is that it wasn't complete. It wasn't forever. It wasn't all that needed to be done. If I try to add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ, then I am saying it's a work that's unfinished. It's a work that I need to do something to uh, make it more complete. In other words, maybe I have to do more work. I have to... uh, uh, be involved with this, or I have to be involved with that, or I have to do these other things. No, those are things that we should do because we're saved. We want to work out our salvation by ministering to other people, by, by serving the Lord in many ways. I'm so grateful for people in this church who serve in many, many ways behind the scenes that are never seen. We're so grateful for those. But we are not working for our salvation when we do ministry. Our salvation was made complete by Jesus Christ when He died upon that cross and when He was raised from the grave. We cannot add anything to it. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. And I don't know about you, but that is so reassuring. And that was done by a God who is unchanging. In other words, He's not going to come along uh, someday and say, Well, you know what? Uh what I did through Jesus Christ, that was a good thing, but He no, he He says in Hebrews that it was complete, it is done, it is finished, it is eternal, it will not change, I will not change my mind. I don't know about you, but that gives me such assurance and, and, and such comfort to know that we have that kind of a God. And look at uh, uh, what it's what it says here on the outline it's uh he is perfect in every way. What does perfect in every way mean? Well, look at it. He's holy. He's blameless. He's pure. He's set apart from sinners. He's exalted above the heavens. He's perfect in every way. A perfect God, unchanging God, sent a perfect sacrifice, His own Son, who died upon a cross to bring you and me salvation. I don't know about you, But I can't always get my mind around some of those things. I take it by faith. I take it uh, uh, in wonder and awe and amazement of, of that kind of a God. But it's beyond my ability to fully comprehend and understand how that can be. When I look at how sinful and how wrong and how weak I am, to think about a God who loves me that much who is that perfect, who is that awesome. Scripture also says that he's unlike any other. As I've mentioned a couple of times, the the other priests, while they may have had good attitude, a good good uh, uh, way of presenting the, the prayers and requests and petitions before God, they were not perfect, and they were un able to accomplish what Jesus Christ did. He, they were not our Savior. They were appealing to a God. But they were not God Himself as Jesus Christ was. One of the big differences is that He Himself bore our sins upon the cross. Have you ever thought about that? He, God, Jesus Christ bore our sins. Wait a minute, I'm living 2,000 years later. Yes. But while He hung upon that cross, your sins that you committed yesterday, that you commit today, that you'll commit tomorrow, your sins were poured upon Him as He hung upon that cross. Wow. I I, I can't... God (laughs) loved me that much. That He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to do that for me. Now you hear these things. You know, we, we come to church, those of you who, who, who like me, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. Ann and I were here when, when they uh, laid the, the cornerstone here. That was in 1974. I was thinking back on that. That's 40 years ago. In 2014, it was 40 years ago that we started. And I've been hearing this message at, for about 40 years. I still... Am amazed, I'm amazed and in awe of that. Are you? Or do you get tired of, of somebody standing up in front of you and telling you these things about what God did for you? Or, or, or do you fall on your knees once in a while and just say, Wow, God, I cannot believe that you've done this for me. Do you, do you still get God bumps, you know? you know that's like goosebumps when you better God bumps when you when you think about your salvation through Jesus Christ do you get do you ever get like somebody's talking about God and you kind of get that wow that's how we should approach God each and every time because he's unchanging and he has done something he himself for our sins upon that cross Wow. I I don't know about you, but I hope I never get to the point where I take that for granted. I want to be in awe and amazed at God every single day. Because as I look around and I see all of the changes taking place around me, when I see even the changes taking place in myself, Dave Thomas in the back said something to me about, oh you've got you know, you uh got uh, hearing aids, you know, because I had this thing on and he couldn't quite see what it was, you know. And, and I shared with Dave, you know, uh, sadly, I'm not too far away, you know. I'm getting there to that point. As we see changes in our lives, as we see changes taking place within us, as we see changes around us, we have an unchanging God who has said, I have prepared for you the final A provision for your salvation, Jesus Christ himself came and died upon that cross. I can't get over that. I can't always get my mind around that. We worship and and praise a God who is unchanging, a perfect forever God. And I don't know, I cannot uh, fathom any way for us to minimize that. Why would we want to minimize it? But it is so overwhelming and should be something that we are in awe of all the time. Well, turn with me to Numbers. And we're going to be in chapter 23. And by the way, if you ever decide that you want to do a study on the unchanging God that we have, I'm only scratching the surface here today about the verses that talk about him not changing. I looked up and I found many, many others. I only have so much time. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of verses that talk about the fact that our God does not change. But uh, chapter uh, 23 of Numbers, beginning in, or reading in verse 19. I really liked this when I was reading it um, because I think it says an awful lot for us. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's so inconsistent with things that we see around us all the time, isn't it? It's, it's so uh, different than people are. So what are some of the things that um, that the author is saying here well he's saying that he is not changeable God doesn't change it's hard for us to fathom that isn't it in our finite minds as we were uh, again as we were talking on Tuesday one of the things as we were talking about you know, the angel came to Mary and the angel came to Joseph and and said that these things were going to happen and and the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she became pregnant with the Son of God. And We're we're just talking about some of these things and they are beyond our finite mind's ability to comprehend and understand. These are holy God things that are way beyond our ability to get our minds totally around. There's some of these things that we have to just take by faith. And one of those is that we have an unchanging God. The Bible does not was not written just for people 2,000 years ago. The Bible was written for you and I today. The Bible is alive. Uh, many of you have heard me say, I mean, I read through the Bible and it just uh, finished up again another year. And one of the things that I see every time I go and read scripture, I, wow, I don't remember reading that before. Oh, that's really cool. Wow, I didn't. As you read God's Word, it's alive. While He doesn't change, His Word is alive. And as we grow and mature in our walk with Him, we see things that we were not capable of understanding and applying and using previously in our life. But God reveals something new to us on a regular basis, but He does not change. He's not sinful. As we look around us, uh, we see our own sinfulness hopefully (laughs) hopefully you're not blind to your own sin Um, we see the sins of other people right as you bump up against other people and you watch what's going on in the world you see over and over again examples of how people sin and fall short of the glory of God we we see that and yet we have a God who is not sinful that's hard again for us to comprehend and to really get our mind he's not limited (laughs) Uh, you know one of the things that we that we tell people, especially young people when they're growing up, you know, you can be all that you want to be. You can be anything. The whole world is open to you, right? Except, you know what? There are limits. <laughs> there are limits as to what you can do because we're human. I can't. I can't go. Uh, you know, I know through prayer and I understand. Okay, but I want to just give you an example. I can't go. Uh, to the highest mountain in the world and move it, right now. I know the Bible says I can pray and I can make it, you know, the the, the mountain, you know, fall into the water. I, I, but I can't physically go. God can. Ever think of that? God can do anything He wants to do. He is not limited, A- and He doesn't change. But He's also not limited. He can do whatever He wants to do. He can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. He's not temporary. Is there anything that you can think of in this world that is permanent, that, will, that, that nothing could destroy, nothing could, could uh, get rid of? Now, you might be thinking of things like, well, I just mentioned a mountain. Well, this mountain. Well, have you ever seen a mountain that erupted and all of a sudden what was a big mountain is no longer a big mountain? I've seen those over our times. How about the pyramids? All it would take is one bomb, right? They'd be gone. Or an earthquake or something happening in in that area. How about the Great Lake Superior? Certainly that's permanent, right? Is it? I don't know. Maybe something would happen that would get rid of... But God is not temporary. God is permanent. So all of the, the promises, everything that He has, everything He's given to us is permanent. It is not changing. It is not temporary. It's not dependent upon... Time and space. And so when when Jesus says that He has gone to prepare a place for us that we may go and and spend eternity there with Him, you see, that's a permanent. That's not a temporary, that's a permanent. And we have that promise and that hope that someday we will be able to spend eternity with Him in heaven. Well, He's not changing. We've already said that a few times. I hope you're getting that message. If you don't leave here with anything else, you remember that God is not changing. And there's something to that not changing that gives us that hope and promise that is way beyond today. That is way beyond our ability to to grasp what's happening in our present world. And again, I, I mentioned the fact that we in our finite minds can't always get our minds around this kind of a truth beyond us, because it's something that we cannot see, touch, feel, hear. It's beyond our ability and our finite people that we are. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the word of this law. We've been given enough that we are without excuse if we don't believe. So while we have our finite minds and while we can't understand uh, permanent and and, uh, uh, things not changing, uh, a perfect, unchanging God, while we can't always understand all of that in our finite being, we've been given enough. We've been given the Word of God We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have had revealed to us that the King of glory came down to and dwelt, dwelt among us. And here's one of the benefits of us having an unchanging God. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, and of course this is from Malachi, it's an Old Testament, but descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. You see, an unchanging God or a changing God could come along and say, I'm tired of the way that people are behaving. In fact, today there are people who, who occasionally will say, well, God has sent this disaster or that disaster. God is unchanging. He has prepared for us a way that we can spend eternity with Him. He does not want us to perish and be apart from him forever so we're called by faith to an unchanging god that we may dwell with him because he is god and i don't know about you but i want to spend my eternity with god in heaven though i don't deserve it he's called us by faith to believe in his finished work upon the cross of calvary See, God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. You've all heard that. You all know that verse. But He sent Him for a purpose that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Even people that you don't like. Even people that we don't want to associate with, even people who may disgust us with whatever it is that they're doing. God so loved the world, not that they are just going to automatically be saved, but because of faith or belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, they may be saved. But how are they going to be saved? How are they going to know unless somebody tells them? That's where you and I come in. You and I have a mission. You and I are called to share the good news of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who has provided a way for us to spend eternity with God in heaven. And so I think about, and men who are serving, you can come, and as I think of the time when God was preparing Paul to write in Corinthians the verses. And I and I think of the verses in the New Testament where Jesus says to those who are eating the communion meal together with Him, and He says, I want you to do these things in remembrance of Me. I, I want you to take the bread, and I want you to take the cup, and I want you to remember that the bread represents my broken body and the cup represents my blood which was shed for you but but think about that he's saying this less than probably 24 hours before he would have died upon that cross do you think it's significant you think it's important for him to be telling us that we are to do these things in remembrance of him Well, if you do something in remembrance, what are you doing? You're remembering something that doesn't change. You see, Christ said that my body is going to be broken for you. He took the bread and he broke it and he he said, this is my body that's broken for you. His body hadn't been broken yet, but he knows that is right ahead of him. And he took the cup and he says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Why does he want us to remember? He wants us to remember that an unchanging God desires that all people would believe in his son that they may inherit eternal life through his finished work upon that cross. Was that an easy, simple thing? Not at all. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, it says this, and being in anguish, talking about Jesus in the garden, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What kind of anguish would cause somebody to sweat that much? To sweat blood? an anguish of reality of what Jesus Christ knew was ahead of him. And some of you who have been around me for a while know that I really believe that Jesus Christ was not talking about his physical death upon that cross, because he knew that it could have been that instant. God could have hung him on that cross, and boom, he's gone, and he would not have experienced anything. But instead, I believe. And while scripture doesn't explicitly say this, I do believe that his anguish was over the fact that for the first time before the creation of the world he was going to be separated from God the Father because he was going to have our sins poured upon him he was going to receive our sins he was going to have sin for the first time since before he participated in the creation of the world. And so he's on his knees in the garden. And he's praying to an unchanging God and saying, God, if it's possible, if you, if you would change your mind about this one thing, please let me not go through this. It was not an easy, simple thing. And so, as we approach the table, let's not come here and say, Oh, I'm taking the bread and the cup again. We do this once a month, and isn't it cool? Isn't it night? The table looks so nice and everything. No. It's the broken body of Jesus Christ, God. And if God had changed his mind that day, it says, no, I don't want you to go through this. We would not have any hope of eternity. But God so loved you and me that He allowed His one and only Son to die upon that cross. But praise God, you and I know the end result. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He lives forever at the right hand of God the Father. Forever because... God has appointed Him a priest forever (laughs) and He's made a way for you and I to spend our eternity there with Him. Not because of anything you and I do, because of His finished work upon the cross. As you approach partaking of the bread and the cup today, would you just take a moment and reflect on that? Reflect on your attitude toward God today. Do you have something that you need to get right with God? Do you have something that you need to get right with somebody else? Is there something in your life that you know an unchanging God would not be happy with? Would you talk to Him about that? And then I'll lead us in a word of prayer for the bread and for the cup, and we'll partake of the elements. Lord God, as we partake of the bread, we do this in remembrance of what you have told us, that you took the bread and you broke, and you said, this is my body which is broken for you. And then we have the account in Scripture that tells us that they beat you, Jesus. They they slapped you and they beat you, and they they just ravaged your body even before they... Pierced your hands with the nails and their feet with the nails and put a spear into your side. Even before that, they they abused your body. God. Oh Lord. We are so sinful. I am so grateful for an unchanging, perfect God who does not change his mind. provided for us a means of salvation through the finished work of your son Jesus Christ Jesus thank you for going to that cross and sacrificing yourself to bring us the eternal life that we do not deserve but that you give because you love the world so much as we partake of the bread help us to remember your broken body broken for us while we were yet sinners sinners